I think this is really just a testament to how important it is to let out your anger and frustration and stress in a healthy way. Otherwise, you may find yourself screaming about hot dog buns. Yeah, many are saying this. Hello, hello, hello. It is our final August Down the Aisle movie. I can't believe it. Me neither. It's actually, we're recording this ahead of time, so it really feels like I can't believe it <laughs> because like August will have ended yeah. <laughs> when this comes out. <laughs> just, a, just a heads up into our insane recording schedule. It is August 14th and we are now recording the last episode of the month. <laughs> You know, you want to take a week or two off and you just got to stockpile the episodes. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, did you want to relax? Well, first you'll have to go through the, the pits of hell. First you got to rise and grind, baby. Yeah. Girl bossing. It never stops. Um, but yeah, welcome back to the show. I am Christina. I'm Mo. And it's August down the aisle, Okay. I really liked the selection of movies this month. Me too. We had some really good ones. Yeah, I kind of, I wasn't really like skeptical, like I didn't want to do wedding movies. I definitely did, but I just was interested to see a lot of them because I think the only one that I was super familiar with was Bridesmaids. Yeah, but they really hit, like I think we did a lot of really great picks. Yeah, definitely. I mean, all of these I had seen before, some of them not in a long time, like this one especially I have not seen in years. So in a lot of ways, it kind of felt like seeing it for the first time. Um, But it was great to to revisit some, some old favorites, Mm -hmm. you know, gain a new appreciation for some. So yeah, it's been a good month. Absolutely. And you know what I did yesterday? What? Bought some new Halloween decorations. (laughs) I have been like, I've been feeling it in my bones that Halloween is coming. I like just want to go to Michael's and buy all of the deck, like the decorations. I want to be watching scary movies all the time. Yeah. It's coming and I can feel my power growing. (laughs) Yeah. I I basically have been seeing a lot of fall content on my Mm -hmm. like um, social media feeds. And so I was like, you know what? I bet. Like there is, there are products available, right? Mm-hmm. So I looked at Michael's online, but I didn't see their like. Usually they have like the categories mm-hmm. for the the like new Halloween lines, and I didn't see them. It's like, all right, let me just stop in at Marshalls. Like, let me just see what they have. Yeah, and they had okay. <laughs> they had. I, I mean, obviously not as big a selection as Michael's, but they do have like a really like robust Halloween. They have a couple of sections. So I bought a thing or two. And I have to say, like, if you have seen Michael's selection, sometimes their prices can be very steep. Yes. Marshall's has similar items that are way less expensive. Mm, That's good to know. I'm going to have to check it out. Because I went into a Michael's like a couple weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, and they had all the fall stuff out, but none of the like Halloween stuff was out yet. Oh, really? So I'm just waiting with bated breath. I think this might have still been July potentially though. So (laughs) a little eager. 
Yeah. I have seen um, some pictures of the collection on TikTok, or like videos of the collection yeah. on TikTok. Um, and they have like an Edgar Allan Poe collection this year. Oh, interesting. Some dark academia Halloween stuff. But I guess we're getting ahead of ourselves because we will yeah. get there soon. <laughs> Phil told me if I buy any more decorations, I have to get rid of some of my old ones. No. I was like, stop. And he was like, you will literally have to get a Manhattan mini storage unit <laughs> if you buy any more things. And I was like, please stop bullying me. I'm the biggest enabler in the world. So I'm like, yeah. she needs the Halloween decorations, Phil. So I guess we should introduce the name of the movie. Yeah, I guess we should. So today we are doing our listener pick film, Father of the Bride from 1991. Yeah, we have some Martin Short, some Diane Keaton, some and Steve Martin. <laughs> yes, the the man himself, Steve Martin. Yeah, it's a it's a very all star cast. I will say, mm-hmm. upon finishing this film last night, I was inspired to start watching Only Murders in the Building, and I stayed up until three thirty in the morning watching the entire first season, and it was great. <laughs> I really loved it. I really want to watch it because I was watching this movie. I was like, why are they so funny? I love Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. Why aren't I watching Only Murders in the Building? Like, why Why am I not? Yeah. And it's about, like, they have a podcast in it. Yeah. That's what it's about. So very on brand for us. But yeah, I've always loved Steve Martin. I feel like my family has always, like, watched his movies. Although, for the most part, we were, like, big, cheaper by the dozen people. Yeah. 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 Obviously, he has more modern movies, but like the other day, Phil was watching The Jerk. Mm. I forget who the it's Steve Martin and um, isn't it Bernadette Peters? Yeah, it's yeah. Bernadette Peters, and they have like a romance, and like he's super stupid in the movie, and like I really find his characters to be so endearing mm-hmm. because they're never like malicious. Yeah, he's just so absurd. Also, like, Martin Short's accent in this movie. His mm-hmm. characterization, unbelievable. Well, unbelievable. His uh, his character is based off of um, Kevin Lee, who is, like, a celebrity wedding planner. And watched the movie and really? was like, yeah, that's totally me. I am Frank. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I think, um, I think I'm going to have to start it. I'm going to have to start Only Murders in the Building. I recommend. I'm going to be starting season two probably as soon as we finish this. Love. But uh, before we get too deep into it, should we throw some numbers out? Let's get into the brass tags, the fucking budget, Mm -hmm. baby. Mm -hmm. So we had a budget of $20 you know, fairly modest. Modest. Yeah. And we had a box office of $129 So... I'd say a success. <laughs> I'd say a fucking smashing success. Mm. It also got like pretty good reviews too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um originally Father of the Bride was a novel from 1949 and there are three iterations of the movie. So there's a 1950 version and this version 1991 and then Recently, HBO came out with another one for 2022, and it stars like, um, uh, it's like in Andy, it's Andy Garcia and like Gloria Estefan are the parents. I don't know who else is in mm-hmm. it, but yeah, yeah, 
This is, of course, um, a Nancy Myers film. You can feel it in the in the decor of the house. You can feel it in the sweaters <laughs> that everyone's wearing. I love it. Um, and Steve Martin was actually attached before the script was even written, so they got to really tailor George Banks to like Steve and his comedy and his abilities. And uh, apparently, the characters are all pretty similar to their real life personas as well. Um, mm-hmm. Like Steve Martin is like, yeah, that is what Diane Keaton is like. She is exactly like Nina. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I liked her character. I mean, obviously, it was a foil to him. Yeah. But it was just, they were such a sweet couple. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, Kimberly Williams was only 19 years old when this movie was filmed. And I feel like I can yeah. see that. Like, she looks so, <laughs> so, so young. young. Yeah. If she, because she initially didn't book this role. Um, so oh, then yeah. she applied to, I think, Northwestern to be a journalist because she was like, well, obviously I can't act because um, I'm horrible at it. And then <laughs> they called her and they were like, hey, you're cast. So that changed everything. And she's married to Brad Paisley, which I had no idea. Crazy. Wild. This was also um, Kieran Culkin's first speaking role. Our favorite boy. And now boy. he's nominated for an <laughs> Emmy. Pretty unbelievable. I mean, if you've listened to the podcast in the past, specifically the Home Alone episode, you know we're big succession girlies. So we love us some Kieran Culkin whenever we can get him. I was so curious, though, about the timeline of when he was born Mm -hmm. because they mentioned moving into the house when um, Annie was in grade school. Yeah, yeah, when Annie was in grade school. And then a couple years later, they say that they had Maddie. But I'm like, Mm -hmm. so are you saying that you had Maddie when she was eight because that, like, does not line up. If she's 22, yeah, that would make Maddie, like, 12. How old do you think Maddie is? Like, eight? Yeah, he looks eight. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, she was – they were living in the house for a couple of years and then it was like, surprise, you got another kid coming. How old would Annie have been then? Probably in middle school. The, the beginning I find inaccurate, but it's a uh, well. They never say how long they they're like a couple years after, like later. Yeah, after they moved in, they had a surprise baby. <laughs> Definitely a surprise because that age mm-hmm. gap is large. Yeah, yeah. But I guess uh, before we hop into it, we just want to remind you that we have a Patreon, and our listeners have just selected next month's movie oh yeah it's very exciting next month we will be doing spy kids this movie was so cool i was just like are you kidding me right now like your parents are spies (laughs) pretty wild also any movie where like this was like a hispanic family it was like wow that could be me like i could be a spy (laughs) you could absolutely you could be the next carmen cortez But yeah, we are super excited to cover Spy Kids next month. It's going to be wild. I'm sure the commentary will be fucking insane. Oh, yeah. If you want to join us over on Patreon, you get a new bonus episode every month that is completely picked and voted for by the patrons. You can also join our Discord. We love chatting in the Discord. It's so much fun. It's actually very pop-in, very frequently used. You get access to our close friend story on Instagram, and you get a special movie montage song. You just fill out a form. You get to tell us a little bit more about yourself. You know, no review needed. And uh, we hook you up. 
Yeah. So head over to our Patreon. It is in the show notes. It's in the link in our bio on all social media. So be sure to check it out if you're interested. And with that being said, let's just hop right into the script. Let's do it. We have another very long opening credits scene. Not that I'm mad about it. (laughs) I just want to bring attention to it. Mm -hmm. We cut to the wedding and we pan across like a table at the wedding and George Banks takes off his shoe. He rubs his foot and he tells us that he thought weddings were a simple affair, but they are not. (laughs) And he knows this because his daughter just got married Annie Banks McKenzie, her married name, and he shakes his shoe out like a ton of rice comes out (laughs) of his shoe. And he says that when he bought this house, it cost less than the ceremony that turned Annie Banks into Annie Banks McKenzie. And he's told that one day he'll look back on this with great affection and nostalgia. And he's like, I hope so. (laughs) And he kind of like appeals to the fathers and says that they understand having a little girl and then one day she starts wearing eyeshadow and high heels and you're just in a constant state of panic and you worry about her meeting the wrong guy but also the right guy because then you lose her and before you know it you're in a big empty house with rice on your tux Wondering what happened to your life. I did not remember at all that he like narrates this whole film. I really like his narration. Yeah, me too. I think it it adds a lot. It's so enjoyable. Because with narration, it can be tricky. Sometimes it's just like, okay, you're repeating the obvious. You're not adding anything new. But they do frequently add more with his narration. So mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. So we go back six months ago. Annie was studying for her master's in architecture in Rome. George, you know, had been incredibly preoccupied that day at work at the factory that makes these sneakers for, like, the company that he runs. He runs, like, a sneaker company. And he was incredibly preoccupied that day, just, like, looking forward to Annie getting back from Rome. His assistant tells him that Annie has landed And he's like, oh, thank God, and starts to race home and says that he's always been a concerned parent, worrying, comes with the territory, gets his jacket, and heads home. So on his way back, he actually ends up stopping to pick up something special for Annie's homecoming and talks about how they live in this small town in Southern California called San Marino. It hasn't changed much in the past 25 years, but he doesn't mind because he's not big on change. And he actually gets Annie's bike, like, all fixed up. It's looking brand spanking new for her homecoming. And that's when he drives up to the simply gigantic home on Mm -hmm. 24 Maple Drive and talks about how him and his wife bought it when Annie was young. Like, she was in grade school. A few years later, they had a surprise, a son named Maddie. (laughs) And he just kind of talks about his memories with the house, like everything that he's done here with the kids and says, it's a great house and I never want to move. Yeah. Really beautiful place. Also, his car is so cool. I don't know what kind of car it is, but it looks like vintage. Yeah. So George walks in and his wife, Nina, Diane Keaton herself greets him. He asks her where Annie is and she tells him 
that she's unpacking upstairs and she looks fabulous, different. And he's like, oh, I can't wait to see her. So Maddie Banks comes up and <laughs> played by Kieran Culkin. Mm-hmm. And he says, ciao, Papa. And he's just like <laughs> chomping away at a candy bar from Italy. And um, George hands him a pair of high tops from the factory. So they have like a really – it's clear that the family's super tight and they mm-hmm. love each other. Annie comes out and says hello to George and she like slides down the rail and hugs him. Very (laughs) cool. Yeah. She's super like, she loves her family. It's Mm -hmm. very clear. And he tells her that she looks all lit up inside and she's like, I feel all lit up inside. Just so bright eyed. Like I can't get over it. She's so green in this movie. (laughs) I know. Oh my gosh. And he tells her that she smells good too. And Annie's like, oh, it was a present. Mm. And Nina's like, hey, dinner's on the stove. And George, like, takes a second to react. Yeah, it's like, oh, my my little girl, she's all grown up. Something's different about her. What yeah. could it be? Ooh, I'm just a girl in love. <laughs> I can't be held responsible for my actions. She's an ingenue. <laughs> so at dinner... George, he's immediately in full dad mode. He's taking charge. He's like, okay, schedule. Who wants to go to the Lakers game on Thursday? And they're like, okay, sure. Then he's like, okay, what about a George Simon concert? And Annie's like, like, what? That's awesome. Yeah. Sign me up. For real. She's like, um, yeah, sure. And her parents are kind of like taken aback by her hesitancy. And then she stops them. And she's like, okay, wait. I have to tell you guys something. This is a really hard thing to tell your parents, but when I was in Rome, I met someone. He's an American man from LA, and they met in Rome, and they fell in love, and they are engaged. Ah! (laughs) Yeah, she immediately screams. Nina is like, oh my god, so is is that your engagement ring? George the man is too stunned to speak. Yeah. Annie is like, oh, yeah, he got it. At, we got it at a flea market just outside of Rome. The The seller said it's over 100 years old. And George is like, flea market? A flea market? <laughs> <laughs> and he basically, like, has a vision of his daughter as a literal child saying, I'm getting married, daddy. I met a man in Rome and I fell in love. Until he oh finally, like, snaps back to reality. I do love the kind of, like, absurd, like, surreal little, like, imaginary oh, moments yeah. we have with George. I think they're so perfect. And so Nina's like, George, are you okay? And he tells Annie that this is ridiculous. She's too young to be getting married. And Annie reminds him that uh, her mother, Nina, was only 21, when they got married, and 22 when Annie was born. <laughs> and George's eyes pop out of his head. He's like, how dare you <laughs> say that? What's wild to me watching this is, like, obviously it's insane to me, like, to think of, like, getting married at 22 because of, like, where yeah. I was at at 22. I'm like, there's no conceivable way that I could be getting married. I know that's, like, a different reality for a lot of people. But Annie is actually, like, in a very similar position as my mom because she got 
engaged at 22 and turned 23 like on her honeymoon Mm. and she had been engaged once before that and i'm like that's insane to me yeah i mean i think that it's like wow Mm -hmm. because why yeah i'm trying i'm also thinking where i was and i'm like Mm. oh my god but (laughs) in her case like she's like you know i got my master's Mm -hmm. like right out of school apparently yeah and She's like, I'm going to be an architect. And we find out that he already has a stable job. Mm -hmm. And it's clear that both of their parents are well off. Yeah. Um, So I guess like that whole structure for them to get married is like there. Like, whereas hypothetically at our age, like, I think we both had like, I mean, I had like a service job and Mm -hmm. you were like getting your visa. But I assume like we would have been in the same position if you. Yeah, definitely. You know. And so. (laughs) to do that and get married and be like, I just don't feel like financially stable Mm -hmm. slash there's no way that we could buy property in New York. (laughs) Never. So like those factors combined, I I can't picture it at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's insane to me. Oh my God. I really think that Annie Banks is my mom because my parents also got married in 91 when this movie came out. Oh, my God. Oh, my Lord. This is a revelation. I'll have to text her later. Yeah, you should ask her um, her thoughts on the movie. Yeah, because we watched this growing up, so I know she likes this movie. That's wild. So George is, like, on his, you know, trying to find an excuse. He's like, oh, well, times have changed. Like, you know, 22 isn't what it used to be. And he reminds her that she said she didn't believe in marriage and she wanted a job before settling down. And Annie's like you know, that's what I thought. But Brian is not like any guy I've ever known. And I'm not going to lose my identity with him. And she's like, oh, he's brilliant. He reminds me of you. And and he loves that I'm going to be an architect. George is still like shaken to his core. And he's like, okay. And like, what does he do? And she's like, oh, he is an independent communications consultant. And George is like, that's code for unemployed. And he's like, well, I'm sure I'll have to fire some guy at the factory who's been working there for ages to hire him. And he says, of course, he'll move anywhere that you need to go because, like, you'll have the job, basically. Like, you'll Mm -hmm. be the breadwinner. That's why he's so eager to move. And Annie gets up and she's like, what's wrong with you? And walks away. And George asks Nina if she's happy about this. And she tells him to stop acting like a lunatic before Annie leaves and gets married and they never see her again. Not exactly like the smoothest, I'm getting engaged convo in the world. Yeah. (laughs) So on the front porch, Annie is sitting there kind of upset. And she actually tells George once he comes out that Brian isn't an unemployable ape, like he said. He's actually a computer genius, and companies send him all over the world hooking up complex systems. So it's a very real coveted job. George asks how old he is, and Annie says he's 26. And George kind of gives in. He sees how upset his daughter is and is like, okay, if you love him this much, then I'm sure I'll love him too. And they hug and make up. And Annie's like, great, because he's going to be here in an hour. (laughs) Oh, my God. And they have this amazing scene together where George is like, do you want to play a little one-on-one? And she's like, 
dad, I'm in heels. And he's like, well, you came to the right place. And then we see her in high tops and they have a game and they're both like quite good at basketball. Mm. She's like making all of her shots. Oh yeah. Um, From the sounds of it, your upstairs neighbor is currently playing basketball in heels. (laughs) Oh my fucking gosh. I know. I'm like, you're in the apartment. Like take off your shoes. Yeah. I truly, I don't understand the shoes inside thing. It like, it hurts me. I wish that I could, you know, say the same. I take off my shoes, but Phil does not. It's That's a very, like, American thing, I find, that, oh, like, yeah. people here don't take off, like, their shoes in their home, whereas in Asia, like, you would never wear your shoes inside somebody's home. Well, it's cleaner to take them off. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I have a giant shoe rack right outside my door. I love her. Like outside, not even inside. Not, well, there's also simply simply no space inside. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, back to the film. So George is watching from the window, like spying on Brian as he pulls up in his car. And Nina's like, oh, my God, like, do you see him? What does he look like? And George, looking for every possible way to criticize this young man, is like, he drove too fast. <laughs> oh, my God. So Brian comes up to the door and Nina answers, trying to like motion to George to come over and greet him. But George is refusing. Brian eventually comes in. He has his perfectly fluffy, like 90s waspy hair. He looks so handsome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very handsome. That's like the perfect word. And he's being perfectly friendly and polite to George, but all mm-hmm. George can think is like, this is a fucking brown noser. Yeah, I think he calls him sir or something. He's like, brown noser. How dare he be respectful? Right. So Annie comes down. Brian and Annie share a kiss. Like, she's super excited. Mm-hmm. And Brian is like, yeah, like, I'm super nervous to be meeting you, but like, I'm, I'm sure I have nothing to be nervous about. You guys seem great. It's probably just all in my head. And I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not in your head. And then Nina whispers to George that he's adorable. George is like, I don't like him. And then as soon as he sees that um, Ryan is wearing Nikes, that's the final straw for our man, Mr. Banks. He's like, he's wearing Nikes. So they head into the living room and Annie tells them about how she met Brian. And they were the only two people at a midnight showing of bringing up baby. And they kept laughing in all the same places. So obviously they had to like meet up after the film. Mm -hmm. But George is just like zeroed in on Brian's hand, which has been placed on Annie's (laughs) knee. Her bare knee, not even a layer of fabric between the two. I know. I, I do have to say, though, I probably wouldn't want no like i wouldn't feel comfortable yeah yeah (laughs) you're like don't touch me that being said um christina and i are absolutely have been you know i I, how am i trying to say this i was trying to think of a clever way to say like we need we're like conservative around our parents so we're (laughs) just like absolutely i am abstinent and celibate and and i have never (laughs) sworn a day in my life and I have, I, you know, I'm chased. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To this day, like, I do not swear in front of my parents unless it's, like, very accidental. And even then, like, yeah. sometimes I can get away with saying, like, bitch. But usually only if I'm saying, like, 
they were bitching about somebody. Like, only as a verb. I can't ever, like, call oh, anyone that. Oh, interesting. But I remember I got grounded when I was in middle school because I accidentally whispered damn when I was playing a video game. That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, definitely don't – I don't personally mm-hmm. curse in front of my parents. Yeah. But sometimes my mom and I are, like, talking and if we're, like – if we're kind of, like, gossiping or something, yeah. I'd be like, yeah. They were such a, like – jerk and that was total like load of shit or yeah. something like but yeah. more in a joking way not in a like that's so fucked up like i would yeah. ugh, i would never even yell at my parents so moving right along we would never we could never no no man will be touching my knee in front of any family member <laughs> precisely so they talk about their travels through italy and george asks brian what he does exactly And Brian says he knows it sounds like a fake job, but essentially he was sent to Rome by Pacific International and like hooked up the software to the infrastructure and the circuit breaker. Hacked into the mainframe. (laughs) Yeah. I think he says that in Europe there is a uniform code of communication and they Mm. needed to install it to be up to like the code that everyone else is using there. Surely this job is obsolete now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I got. I mean, although like a big system, or mm. like if you are uh, like installing like a system for an office, right, right, you probably you're probably just a part of the IT department now. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it's less specialized, I think. But mm-hmm. either way, George asks him why he's independent, and Annie's like, "Well, that's because no one can afford to keep him on staff." Mm. So we actually learn that like. This man is an upstanding citizen. Yeah. He, oh, he's absolutely. making a salary. Mm-hmm. Like, there is literally nothing wrong with this man. Like, mm-hmm. in any other movie, we would find out he, like, has another family or something. <laughs> yeah. So, Brian is like, I know you must be shocked that your daughter is marrying a stranger, but, like, I'm an upstanding citizen. I've never been engaged or even in love before, and Annie is the greatest person I've ever met. And he says he can't wait to marry her. One day, have children, grandchildren. Nina is, like, tearing up. She's, like, ready to support Annie's dreams. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I love her, and I'm here to stay. So Nina and Annie, like, cry and hug each other, and they're very, like, giddy. Mm -hmm. And Nina tells Brian that was the best thing she's ever heard anybody say. And Annie wants to take Brian for a drive to kind of like see San Marino. So George suggests she take a jacket since it's chilly out. And she's like, oh, no, I'm like actually kind of warm. And then Brian's like, oh, you know, it it is actually a bit nippy out. And she's like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, all right, I'll get my jacket. And George is like, in that moment. (laughs) And George is like, I know in that moment that my day had passed. I was no longer the man in this little girl's life. And on their way out, George says, don't forget to fasten your condom. Seatbelt. <laughs> and I would be like mortified. Absolutely mortified. I would be like, put me in the coffin. Absolutely. Here I, here I go. It's so tragic that she died so young. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, so... After they leave, Nina is, like, super impressed with Brian, but George is like, they're not going to last, like, a month, two months tops. Like, Annie is way too spirited for this guy. And Nina's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, he... (laughs) 
they're so sweet. Like, it's really chill. Mm -hmm. She's like, no, I can feel it in my bones. This is the right guy for Annie. And George is just talking about how much he hates Brian's laugh and his speech and how he kept touching Annie. And Nina's like, oh, yeah, just the way that you couldn't keep your hands off of me when we were engaged. And she says that when George looks at Annie, all he sees is a seven-year-old in pigtails. Can confirm. True. Exactly. And he's like, no, I don't. It's just that we don't know anything about this Brian guy. Like, he could have a secret family or be a con artist. Like, he could be on America's Most Wanted tomorrow night. And Nina just kind of stops him. And she's like, George, I really liked him. I'm happy for Annie. We should at least hug. (laughs) so they do hug and she looks at him and she's like father of the bride can you believe it and that's the title of the movie oh yeah movie (laughs) one thing about like nina and george's dynamic is that i feel like in a lesser movie it could very much go the way of like guy who hates his wife but george is not that guy like they argue and they bicker but he loves nina so much and like she loves him She even says later on in the movie, she's like, I can't handle this. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not used to arguing this much. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they have a pretty solid relationship for sure. Definitely. So two days later, Nina and George are traveling to Bel Air to meet Brian's parents. And George asks Nina why they have to have brunch with Brian's parents. And she tells him this is, you know, pretty customary to meet the in-laws. So George says he hates the expression in-laws and he doesn't want to be in-lawed, especially to people who live in Bel Air. And he's like, who lives in Bel Air anyway? And she's like, rich people. <laughs> and he's like, they probably live in a shack. So they pull up to an actual mansion. Yeah. And George is like, oh, this is even worse. Now we're related <laughs> to the pretentious snobs. Just what we need. <laughs> And I'm like, just keep doing those mental gymnastics, Mm -hmm. George. Whatever you got to do. So they go up to the front door, and Nina tells George he looks handsome, way too young to be in-lawed. And I love also how Steve Martin has just had white hair forever. So it's very (laughs) ambiguous how old he is. Like, I guess technically supposed to be like 42 or something in the movie. Yeah, probably. But yeah. And George tells her that it shouldn't matter how he looks because he's not there to win their approval and mentions how Nina changed her outfit five times. And she's like, you tried on nine different shirts. And he's like, no, I tried on two, two long sleeve and two short sleeve. (laughs) So um, the Mackenzies open up the door. John and Joanna McKenzie welcome them in. Yeah, so inside George is like, marveling at the size of their house it is fucking massive Mm -hmm. and john is like oh my god you know it's so nerve-wracking to meet your future in-laws but you two look perfectly normal and joanna's like yeah i must have tried on three outfits for today and john's like yeah i changed my shirt four times so these like four are peas in a pod but george is a fucking hater so he can't accept it He's like, let me get my magnifying glass out so I can find Mm. all the flaws in these two people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So they go into the house. The Mackenzies introduce the banks to their maid. And they also introduce their dogs. And they're these like giant, huge dogs. And John is like, oh, they 
They look like killers, but as long as you're relaxed, they're relaxed. <laughs> so he tells them, I think release is the, the word yeah. that sends them off. So he like sends release. them off. <laughs> I actually saw a video the other day of a girl showing all the commands of her uh, off-leash trained dog. Whoa. And it was insane. Like, I've never seen such a well-trained dog before that's pretty cool literally will not move if she tells him to like stay will like stop at a moment's notice knows exactly what to do if they encounter another dog he like goes around behind her between her legs and she steps in front in case like another aggressive dog comes by like way better trained than any sort of leash dog is it was mm-hmm. wild it's very cool was it a bigger dog or uh, it was a german shepherd whoa yeah yeah. I bet they're good at like understanding commands and all that. Yes, definitely. So they sit down in the living room and Joanna talks about how they went to visit Brian in Rome and they got to spend a few days with Annie and like completely fell in love with her and they couldn't be happier about this marriage. And John asks George how he took the news. And George is like, well, truthfully, I was a little surprised. And John's like, yeah, I was shocked. Yeah. <laughs> I was shocked. <laughs> So he kind of talks about how, you know, they've only known each other for a few months. And George is like, yeah, and Annie's still finishing school. And John's like, yeah, totally. And I tossed and turned over it. But at the end of the day, they're in love. They're over 21. So maybe it isn't up to us to say that they rushed into it. And in George's head, he's like, oh, yeah, like we're only their parents. And he was about to say it out loud to be like, of course we should tell them what to do when John <laughs> continues to say, you know, sooner or later, you have to just let your kids go and hope you brought them up right. And George is like, damn it, that makes sense. Fuck. He's like, John is making a little too much sense. I'm sweating. I'm sweating. <laughs> so he decides to take a swig of his champagne before the toast has even happened and then promptly spits it back in his glass. So... John toasts to George and Nina and a future of wonderful memories. First, the wedding of our children and the happiness we'll share watching their lives. Then sharing the joy of our grandchildren together, birthday parties, graduation. And George is like, oh, like father, like son, like what a crock of shit. (laughs) And decides to excuse himself to the restroom. And Joanna is like, oh, my God, it's a mess down here because we're remodeling. Use the one upstairs. It's the seventh door to the left. Not second. He's like, second? Seventh. seventh. That's crazy. So George goes to the restroom and washes his hands. And he's like, well, while I'm here. And opens the medicine cabinet to look through it. And I feel like this is something my mother would do. Like, my dad is pretty like like I, I feel like he's not as nitpicky with certain things. Right. But my mom, I feel like not to snoop, even just to be like, who are these people? Like Right. Like I don't fucking trust strangers type of thing. <laughs> yeah. And so he snoops through their medicine cabinet and he doesn't find anything interesting or weird or whatever. So he goes to the other side of the vanity. That side is just a mirror. It is not a cabinet, nope. and he fucking knocks that shit right off of the wall. It doesn't, like, shatter. Miraculously, it doesn't shatter. Yeah, so he readjusts it. He, like, puts it back on its, like, hooks, and 
he almost leaves like any sane person would. Mm -hmm. But he's like, well, the office is right off the restroom. Might as well check it out. So he goes into the office and he like finds his bank book. It's like right on his Mm -hmm. desk, opens it up and his eyes just widen. He's like, I cannot believe it. Wait a second. These people have money? I never would have guessed. Yeah. So he notices Marta come in and decides to duck under the desk. He doesn't want to get caught, obviously. Of course, of course, one of the dogs is under the desk Mm -hmm. and is like ready to rip his face off. Yeah. And so he's like, I'm relaxed. I'm relaxed. I'm leaving and I'm relaxed. And Marta leaves. So he like gets up, but then he's surrounded by the dogs. So he's Mm. like, the only way out is through the window. And Nina sees him hanging off the side of the house and distracts John and Joanna. She's like, oh, that sculpture is uh, gorgeous. Yeah. George somehow makes it down but realizes he still has the bank book in his hand so he tries to like toss it back upstairs but marta is airing out a rug and the rug just like rebounds the bank book right into the pool and yep it lands in the pool Mm. george tries to retrieve it but the dogs come up to him and like charge him and he falls right into the pool Don't you hate it when that happens? It's looking pretty bleak, you know? Mm -hmm. So that night, George is barbecuing up a storm in the backyard, and Mm -hmm. he lies to Annie and says, you know, brunch went great, couldn't have gone better. And she's like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, I'm so relieved. Now it feels like the wedding is actually happening. And Nina comes out with the corn on the cob and is like, oh, yeah, by the way, Joanna called with the names of like their list of names for their immediate family. And George looks at this huge list and is like, is this a joke? And apparently eight of the relatives are from Copenhagen. And for some reason, like the bride's family is supposed to pay to fly them all out here is like the implication. She's like, well, traditionally, like the bride's family. And I'm like. Is that true? (laughs) In 1991 for them, they were like, oh, obviously the father of the bride pays for the wedding, which includes airfare. Whoa. Yeah, because I Which I feel like is not common. No. At least not in America Mm -hmm. common today. Yeah, because I know like the thing of like, oh, yeah, usually the bride's family pays for everything. But I didn't assume that included like flying people out as well. That seems crazy to me. So I am on George's side when he's like, I'm not paying for this. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't I did think, think you should. <laughs> when things started adding up that it was going to be like a bridesmaid situation where Maya Rudolph is like, my dad is literally going broke. Like, yeah. he cannot afford to pay for the wedding. Yeah, it's I – have, I have the number for what this wedding costs in total and it will shock you. So we'll, we'll get to that when we get to it. But okay. – Anyways, George is like, I'm not paying for this. And that's when Brian comes in and getting all familiar, starts calling George dad. Oh, my gosh. Which is a bold move. And Nina's like, so have you given much thought to what kind of wedding you want? And Annie says that it can't be too big. You know, they don't have that many friends, but like not small, like, you know, just not too big. 
And George is like, oh, okay. Well, I actually have an idea for the perfect place to have the wedding. It's our favorite restaurant of the past 15 years, the Steak Pit. (laughs) And Maddie says, you don't want the word pit on a wedding invitation. He's with the program. Maddie knows what's good. Absolutely. I also love that Maddie's not like the annoying little brother that's like, oh, I hate my sister and blah, blah, blah. He's like- I think that would have ruined the movie. Totally. For sure. Yeah. Maddie's just like hanging out, there to help out when needed. No problem. Yeah. The relationship that they have in Mm. the Banks family is, like, really nice. It's, like, really touching to watch. Yeah, definitely. So Annie says that she actually wants to get married in a church and then have the reception here at the house. And then George turns around and looks at the yard and pictures what essentially looks like a children's birthday party. Like, Mm -hmm. he is barbecuing Annie and... Brian are like thrilled to be getting their bride burger and groom burgers. Then he's like, "Oh yeah, take him yeah, yeah. over, take him over to the juggler." He's planning out a seven-year-old's birthday party for their wedding, literally. And he's like, "That's an even better idea than the steak pit. We'll get some picnic tables, some crepe paper, and we'll make my famous guacamole." And everyone's just sitting there. Too stunned to speak. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. After dinner, Nina and George are in the kitchen, and she's like, why have you been acting so crazy ever since Annie got engaged? Like, falling in the pool, the steak pit, watching America's Most Wanted every night, looking for Brian's face. Now, the picnic scenario. She says this wedding is a big deal, and she's like, don't freak out. But when Joanna called with their list, she suggested they pitch in to help with the cost, which, I mean, I would say 2022, like, if someone offered that, I I don't think it would be as offensive. Yeah. But George is immediately like, no, we can afford to give our daughter a proper wedding. And so Nina says she hopes by proper he doesn't mean him in a chef's hat. And he's like, where'd you get the chef's hat from? I'm like, ah. And in his like daydream, he was absolutely wearing a chef's hat. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So she knows him pretty well. Mm-hmm. And Nina says she wanted to call a wedding coordinator to make the wedding very beautiful and like special. And he wanted to call the steak pit. So mm. George is like, why would we need a wedding coordinator? And Nina's like, Okay, the fucking florals, the food, Mm -hmm. the part, like entertainment, like everything. Yeah. So Nina is fed up and she's like, you know, forget it. I can't handle the constant arguing. Just go upstairs. And he can see like how upset Nina is. And eventually he's like, okay, you know, I'll go meet the coordinator if you still want me to. Frank. Frank. So as they walk over to meet the wedding coordinator, plan like this is a wedding planner. I don't know why they don't ever use that word, but I've heard coordinator like I think my uh, brother and sister in law had a coordinator. Mm. I I don't know why there's a title difference because what he's doing seems like a planner, but what they had was like someone who worked for the venue who was like, oh, I have all of these lists of where you can get like a cake. And of what, like, transportation you can use. And that seems more like a coordinator situation. Okay, hang on. Okay, so 
I, I found yeah. a diagram from brides.com. Holy shit. And it says that a wedding planner schedules and attends all vendor meetings, helps determine and manage your budget, coordinates hotel rooms and transportation, and oversees everything on the wedding day. A coordinator meets with you four to eight weeks before the wedding, reviews signed contracts and confirms logistics, completes a final walkthrough, and manages the rehearsal. Seems like he's both. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so they're, like, logistically focused but on a shorter timeline than a planner. Interesting. And they help you, like, start preparing a month before, and they kind of confirm everything that's already, like, put in place type of thing. And they make sure that, like, payment happens, but they won't be involved in the earlier planning phases or keeping track of your budget. Interesting. Interesting. So they're kind of like a last a last minute person to come in and just make sure everything goes like smoothly and tweak details. But a planner is there from like beginning to end type of thing. Mm. But from this movie, like Frank is a wedding planner. I agree. So as they're walking over to meet Frank, um, George tells Annie and Nina to let him do the talking and the negotiating. They get there and there's this giant showroom with table settings and cakes and everything. And that's when Howard, um, oh my God, who is he played by? What's his name? B.D. Wong. B.D. Wong, yes. B.D. Wong, a.k.a. Howard, comes over. He is Frank's assistant and greets them, offers them some refreshments while they look around. And then who comes in? But the man, the myth, the legend himself, Frank, a.k.a. Martin Short. Incredible. In the thickest, the thickest, most obscure, unidentifiable accent you've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So George gets one whiff of Frank and is like, this was a mistake of gargantuan proportions. And Frank is like, Papala, come join us to discuss the details. <laughs> I'm going to start calling people Papala just because I love it. <laughs> it's really good. So they sit down on a little couch and Frank is like, okay, so you haven't made your list yet, but you want the wedding to be at home on January 6th. George cannot understand a single word that he's saying, but everybody else does. They're they're fully chimed in. And Frank is like, oh, I love at-home weddings, but oh, it's only five months away. It's a little tight, but we can do it and it will be spectacular. So first thing that we need to do is pick the cake because the cake determines what kind of wedding you end up having. Wow. And I don't think that we've discussed this in our previous episodes, but what kind of cake do you want, if at all? Yeah. I mean, like I'm going off of my brother's wedding mm-hmm. They, like, went to a place and tried cake options, and that seems like just a fun thing to do, just Mm -hmm. generally speaking. (laughs) Just go Um, somewhere and eat a lot of cake. (laughs) Yeah. But I guess I wonder, like, do people like eating cake at weddings? It almost seems like when the cake comes out after all the food has Mm -hmm. been, you know, placed and shit, like, it's like, ah, now I have to eat this, like, slice of cake. I actually – I didn't have any cake at my brother's wedding. I like Me and Nora um, missed it because I don't know where we oh. were. We were like somewhere. We were talking to people. It does get served kind of randomly. I don't know if I would have gone – I think I might have had to like hunt yeah. for a slice of cake. Because I remember them cutting it, but I didn't get any cake. But 
at my brother's wedding, they also had cupcakes because my sister-in-law used to work for Georgetown. So she had like a bunch of Georgetown cupcakes, um, which was cool. And those were great, but didn't have any cake. Yeah. Would you do like a cupcake cake hybrid? I don't know. I've also been to a wedding before where they had like the wedding cake. And then for all the guests, they had these like sheet cakes that you could pick between like vanilla and chocolate. And I think sometimes like that's a good call because it depends on how many people you want at your wedding. Like you might have to get a massive cake and those can be so expensive. All I know is that I don't want any fondant on my cake. No fondant. No, 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 no. I don't want any fondant. I want like cake maybe maybe a layer of icing in between and then just like icing outside Mm -hmm. i don't think i'll end up going with this but i've always loved like a lemon icing on a cake but i know not everybody likes it but but i love lemon like i would want some sort of lemon in either like the flavor of the cake or in the icing just because i love i think i feel like it cuts the sweetness a little bit because sometimes cake Mm -hmm. can just be too much and i'm not that much of a sweet gal so yeah definitely like Something modest, maybe put some like flowers on it, like on the outside, but like real, fl- real flowers, not like fondant flowers. Yeah. Yeah. Something simple. I don't need anything super elaborate. I don't need like a design on the cake or anything like that. I think that my brother did, I know it was definitely like white cake or like vanilla, like something. I wouldn't do a chocolate cake because it's too divisive. Yeah. Divisive. Like too many, you know, people don't like chocolate or like, you know. But I think I would just do a really simple cake flavor, like maybe like vanilla or like some sort of like, you know, really tasty vanilla, mm-hmm. like or like a yellow cake, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And have some sort of like maybe like a strawberry type mm. filling, like something nice. to cut the sweetness, like yeah. a little fruit, whatever. A little tart. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then just a nice like frosting like I think you gotta just keep it simple Mm -hmm. because it's a cake that everyone is supposed to theoretically enjoy yeah you know and I want there to be a little cake topper that's like just the thing like it it can be simple just like frosting and Mm -hmm. what have you but obviously I want like a cute little cake topper yeah I love that I love thank you beautiful so let us know your cake opinions in the DMs. <laughs> I really want to hear from people who have had a wedding and like what your experience was, like what cake. Mm-hmm. I'm like so curious. So please. Yeah. So they they sit down to look at all these like cakes in this binder and they pick out this one cake that is $1,200. That's crazy. And I looked up because I was like, that seems like too much. I don't think wedding cakes actually cost that much. And so I just like went to TikTok to like watch various videos from like people who make wedding cakes and what they charge. And the most expensive one that I saw was like $500. And I'm like, there's no way in 1991 that they're charging $1,200 for a cake. Like that seems insane Seems to me. insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And George is obviously stunned by this price tag. And Frank is like, oh, no, no, this is like a reasonable price for a cake of this magnitude. And George is like, my my first and George is like, my first car didn't cost twelve hundred dollars. And Frank just goes, welcome to the 90s, Mr. Banks. Oh, God. (laughs) So George is clearly pissed off. And Nina asks Frank to uh, give them a second. And he heads off to take some calls. 
So Nina asks George what the problem is and says that she likes Frank and trusts that he's going to make a beautiful wedding. She asks him to give him a chance and asks Annie if she likes the cake. And Annie's like, it's incredible. But she's like, you guys should make the decision about Frank. Mm-hmm. Which I respect. Like, yeah. I think that if she's not paying for it, like, yeah, her parents have the final yes, say. totally. George does give in, but they all agree to, like, not go nuts with the spending, hold things down. So they call Frank back in, and George is like, we'll take the cake. And Frank is like, oh, don't worry. We're going to bring a, a code to the house and give it everything we have once over department. And, like... Just goes on about how he's going to make the wedding really special Mm -hmm. and he'll be very happy in the end. And he says that the next thing they need to determine is the theme and color of the wedding. And he starts talking about his vision for the church. And George is like, with one swift move, I'd been cut out of the deal. Annie, Nina, and Frank were in charge now. Old dad was history. He's such a martyr. I can't. He is so dramatic. I come from a a long line of overactors. Clearly. (laughs) So George is at work at the factory when he gets a call from Frank. And it's actually like from his office. But it's actually Howard calling with an estimate. And um, shit is steep. It's $250 a head, (laughs) which is a lot of money. So George storms into his office to call Nina, and his assistant is like, oh, she just called with the final headcount. It's 562 pennies. Yeah. So uh, for those of us counting along at home, um, that is 142,572 for the reception. I have the number in total for the wedding here. Let me pull it up. Oh, my God. So with... The dress and the bridesmaid dresses and everything, mm-hmm. flying in the relatives. The total cost of the wedding is $249,323. A quarter mil. That's crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't I don't particularly understand that. Um, apparently the the median American wedding costs about fifteen thousand dollars. That sounds more reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, I think that my brother's wedding was somewhere around ten thousand, mm-hmm. um, and it was a smaller wedding. There were less than fifty people, yeah. but it's expensive, and it's gotten even more expensive since COVID too. Oh fuck, I bet. I mean, I bet like a, a bunch of places also went like broke because mm-hmm. they couldn't have weddings for so long. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's pretty insane how much it costs. Mm-hmm. So back at home, George is like. For the four of us to even attend this wedding in our own home, it will cost $1,000 hairs. So Mm. we've got to, like, cut the fat on this fucking guest list. Yeah. Got to get to the bare minimum. You can invite as many people as you want to the church, build a fucking uh, (laughs) – I forget what he says. It's like build some bleachers, whatever. Yeah. But we are not having more than 150 people in this house. I've actually seen like a couple of videos of people who talked about like how they only invited some people to the ceremony and then others, like a smaller group to the reception, Mm -hmm. which I think makes sense if you have a different venue for the ceremony. But if it's like the same place as the reception, that's so 
uncomfortable, uncomfortable to be like and now you have to leave while we all go to cocktail hour like that's yeah i i wouldn't want to do that. yeah totally i don't think i would i if anything for me i would rather have only like immediate family maybe at the ceremony and then have the reception with everyone because i do right. feel like the actual vows being said are just like so much more intimate than a party definitely yeah but anyways, so th- George is like, all right, let's start making cuts. And they kind of parse down through different people. And George is like, we are not inviting Frank. Why would he be invited to the event that he is working on? And Maddie is like, can my friend still come if he promises not to eat? <laughs> and George is like, that's not a bad idea. Who else can we ask not to eat? Nina, maybe our parents? <laughs> And Annie is horrified and she's like, well, we might as well charge people. That way we can make money on the wedding and like storms off. And George is like, I was just kidding. I'm like, you weren't kidding. Yeah. That was a real suggestion. If somebody said yes, he'd be like lit. Okay, let's do it. (laughs) So that night, George is tossing and turning. He can't sleep. So he goes downstairs and he finds Annie asleep on the couch And clutched in her hand is a bridal magazine open to an article all about how to throw a beautiful wedding on a budget. Mm -hmm. And George reads a couple lines and decides in that moment that he was going to just shut his mouth and go with the flow. But I'm like, we gotta have somebody holding the checkbook and putting some limits on this. I do think that the wedding, the wedding ends up being nice. But I'm like, this shouldn't cost as much as you're saying it costs. So maybe it was just inflated for the sake of the movie. I think so. But I'm like, you're not paying for a venue. You're not really doing any like construction. You're just setting up a tent in the backyard. Like it shouldn't cost. The tent is gorgeous. It is beautiful. Yeah. I do. I do like a tent. A tent wedding. We need to like find, I feel like a TikTok must have been made of like, here's how much the wedding in Father of the Bride would actually be from the view of a wedding Mm. planner, like that type of thing. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, that would be good. Hey, this is Jeff. And Richard. And Michael from Mount Rushmore. But not the actual Mount Rushmore, like the monument, because that'd be weird. No, we mean the Mount Rushmore podcast. Every week, Richard and I debate what belongs on the Mount Rushmore of any topic. It might be the Mount Rushmore of fake Elvises or something weighty and important. Like the Mount Rushmore of jackets. And when they're done, I judge them and decide whose choices were right and mainly whose choices were wrong. With more than 100 episodes of nonsense, you'll find a topic that, you know, you actually care about. Especially if you feel strongly about jackets. Or grandmothers. See, oh, yeah, or Ikea. Canadians. See, listen, or this, this is what or I have like to deal with. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcast, or check us out at mtrushmore.com. So the next day, George heads up to the attic to find his old tux uh, covered in mothballs. He, like, airs mm-hmm. it out. He tries it on. He's got to stuff himself in there because it's from the 70s. sausage. Mm -hmm. And so he's looking at himself in this skinny little tux and starts singing What's New Pussycat in the Mirror. (laughs) Annie and Nina come in. They're like, oh, my God. Wow. And George is like, what do you think? Like, bought it in 75 and it still fits. And Nina suggests that maybe he get a new tux, you know, since they're all they're all wearing new clothes. For the wedding. Just on. Yeah. So Annie goes downstairs to answer the doorbell. 
And Nina tells George that the church is free. And he's like, oh, my God, finally, something's free. And she's like, no, I just mean it's available. (laughs) Perfect. Great. Frank and his crew come to the house to finalize the details. They audition a band singer, a.k.a. Eugene Levy. Yeah. And it's like, it's not good. Mm -mm. And he... George is about to to say, like, you know, we're going to pass when Frank comes over and says, you know, they'll have to move all the furniture out of the house if they're going to have room for these people. And George takes Howard to the side and asks about moving the furniture. And he's like, well, we'll have to do it to fit more than 200 bodies inside. So Frank comes over and he's like, George, I do this for a living. You need to trust me. <laughs> so... Frank calls Annie and Nina over and asks George what he thinks of, like, basically a tux, a different tux or, like, um, getting his tux tailored or something. And he's like, I'll have to see him. And Frank brings them over to meet Honk Bernuski and asks for a moment to go over the menu. This actor is the same guy who plays Julia Louise Dreyfus' ex-husband on Veep. Oh. And I also think he looks like um, Adrian Brody. So Mm. that's why I looked up who he was. (laughs) (laughs) But George, like, can't even understand what Frank is saying. And Nina tells him the menu. And Frank is like, listen, Hank doesn't speak English, so I'll translate. And they literally just speak gibberish to each other. And he tells them that Honk wants to serve veal for the main course. And Annie's like, actually, I I have a problem with that. I've been reading a lot about the inhumane treatment of calves. And Frank is like, oh, I've read that too. Very chic. (laughs) So there's also seafood, chic or foul. Not chic, but cheap. (laughs) And George is like, ah, cheap. Finally, a word I understood. His first and last piece of good news So George notices some drilling going on in the ceiling and asks what's up. And Howard is like, oh, yeah, we need more amps to light light the house and the tent. It's way cheaper than bringing in a new line. The florist talks to Nina about color coordinating the florals with the swans because now there are swans involved. George is like, we don't need swans. We don't need a tulip border for them. But he just gets handed an invoice instead. And then... Frank pulls George aside and he's like, hey, so Honk doesn't want to do the chicken, so we got to do something else. George goes over to help this guy with a door. He ends up ripping his tux. Like, this is the most chaotic scene in the world. Yeah. So then Honk ends up quitting because he doesn't want to do the chicken. Howard comes up to George and asks about getting parking attendance, like, Three at absolute minimum, four is ideal, and George says two. You can have two parking attendants. So then Brian comes in and he's like, Hey, dad, like I just came to get my sneakers. I left them in Annie's room last night. And this oh is God. like, this is the last thing for George. He needs to just get the fuck out. So he's leaving the premises. <laughs> yeah. So he gets in his car and he's like, Nina asked me to pick up dinner while I escaped. And George is like, I just need to drive and mellow out and get my mind off this wedding. But mellowing out was not in the cards. (laughs) So he goes to the supermarket and he's still in his tux, by the Mm -hmm. way. If you see him start removing hot dog buns from the packages and a stock boy approaches him and he's like, 
what are you doing? And George is like, I want to buy eight hot dogs and eight hot dog buns. And the boy is like, sir, like you have to pay for all 12. Like (laughs) they're not marked individually. And he's like, yeah. And you know why? Because some big shot over at the Wiener Company got together with some big shot over at the Bun Company and decided to rip off the American public. (laughs) Meanwhile, if he got two bags of hot dog buns, so he had 24 hot dog buns, he could get three packages of hot dogs and he'd have 24 hot dogs and 24 buns. That he could. (laughs) But listen, this is why they say... To pay attention in math class. Mm. All right, kids. So (laughs) the manager catches wind of this and he like sees George freak out. He calls security and he tells him if he doesn't calm down and pay for those buns, he's going to call the police. And George is like, oh, yeah, sure. All right. And he walks away and the manager follows him. Oh, yeah. And then they crash into a display. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, next thing we know, our man George is in jail. and Behind bars. I think this is really just a testament to how important it is to let out your anger and frustration and stress in a healthy way. Otherwise, you may find yourself screaming about hot dog buns. So Yeah, many are saying this. And that's why today's episode is sponsored by Calm. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, I wish. Like, and that's why we use Headspace. Yeah. <laughs> that would be seamless. Yeah. But alas. So George is in jail, hanging his head low, and he can't figure out why this wedding has got him so out of his mind. And that's when the officer tells him that his wife is here, but he's not letting him out of the cell because she wants to talk to him first. Bold. So Nina comes in with a big old smile on her face, and George asks why she's so happy to see him in jail. And she's like, of course I'm not happy about bailing you out over some hot dog buns. And he tries to explain himself, and she just stops him and tells him that this wedding is not a conspiracy theory against him. It's a normal wedding. People have them every day. And she says they don't go to Europe, they don't own fancy cars, they can afford to have a big wedding. And she tells him that she'll let him out on one condition and makes him repeat after her. I, George Stanley Banks, promise to pull it together and act my age. I will stop hyperventilating, rolling my eyes, unbuttoning my top collar button, I will stop making faces in general, and I will definitely stop telling everybody how much this wedding is costing. And I will try to remember my daughter's feelings and how with every roll of my eyes, I am taking away a piece of her happiness. Back at home, George, Annie, Brian, and Maddie all play basketball together. They're having a really good time. And Annie's, um, well, Annie and Brian's first wedding present arrives. Annie is really excited and Brian is like, oh, and our second one should be here any minute because I asked my parents to bring it over. And George is like, oh, are we like giving presents? Okay, I'll be right back. So inside, George like gets this present. He goes down the stairs when he notices John and Joanna have shown up with their present, a brand new car for the couple. George is like, a whole car 
And he goes into the kitchen and like hides the present when Annie comes in like gushing about the car and he's like, oh yeah, it's great. And you thought you weren't going to get a new car. And, uh, she's like, oh, what's that dad? And he's like, oh, that's nothing. Like it's something you mentioned you wanted. And she's like, oh, can I open it? And it's a cappuccino maker. Oh. And she's like, oh my gosh. She's like, I couldn't love anything more and kisses her dad on the cheek. And George just thinks to himself, my feelings exactly. Oh. Meanwhile, Maddie's like playing with like (laughs) knives in the corner. No one notices. Maddie can't go to college actually because they spent the entire tuition fund on this wedding. Oh my God. I know. That is something that I thought about because when she was like, you know, we don't go to Europe. Like, we don't have fancy cars. We can do this. And I'm like, yeah, but you still have another kid. <laughs> he needs food and, like, clothes on his back. And <laughs> maybe go to college if he wants. Maddie's not going to college. <laughs> and they probably all, they paid for um, Annie's undergrad and her grad school, probably. Yeah, probably. So. I think they're pretty well off. I think so, yeah. There's also, like, a throwaway line at one point that they both own businesses. Yeah. But I don't know what business Nina owns. It's never really Yeah, said. I don't know. Yeah. She just mentions at one point, she's like, oh, I can't. I'm doing inventory that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we then get a little wedding prep montage. We see Nina sorting through all the RSVPs. Pretty much everybody is coming. Maddie and George get fitted for their tuxes. Annie and Nina start unpacking the many, many wedding gifts that are arriving. Annie tries on some veils. Nina and George also host the in-laws for dinner. So, like, people are getting along. It's going well. Yeah. George actually gets one of his factory workers to make bridal sneakers for Annie. Aw. And I did read that the actress uh, that played Annie at her wedding, she wore heels for the ceremony and then sneakers for the reception. My brother and his wife actually did that, too, like, for the little ceremony. Um, She's wearing heels. And then afterwards – they actually got matching Nikes. Oh, nice. And like put those on. Yeah, I don't think I would wear like sneakers at my wedding, but I think I would just opt for like a lower heel for like the whole night mm-hmm. and be fine because I don't need a super tall heel. I'm already like pretty tall anyways. So yeah, I just do like a comfortable lower heel that's like cute and just like stick with it. But anyways, back to the film, we see that Nina and George's house is like flooded with all these super, super fancy wedding gifts. And Annie comes in super upset and tells George to send the gifts back because the wedding is off. Oh, my goodness. (gasps) Yeah. So Annie, you know, runs upstairs. George follows her. He knocks on her door. And she apologizes and says she's not going to marry Brian. And she feels awful after everything they've done. And he's like, oh, don't worry. Like, we'll take care of everything. And he's like, what happened? Like, is there another girl? And she's like, oh, no, nothing like that. Like, it started out as nothing. He gave me a present for our eight-month anniversary. And he gave me a blunder. (laughs) And she tells him, I thought something for the apartment, maybe a new clock, a cool phone or a great art book or something, but a blender. I mean, what is this 1958? 
give the little wife a blunder. I mean, it scared me, you know, in terms of his expectations. I started to freak out and he asked me what was wrong. And I asked him what a gift like this is supposed to be telling me. And he said nothing. And I didn't believe him. And we got into this big fight and he said I was overreacting. And I said, why would I overreact? Nobody in my family overreacts. (laughs) And then he came up with this totally absurd story, this completely outrageous lie. And I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, (laughs) this man's a liar. So George asks what he lied about, and Annie says that Brian came up with this crazy story about how when George and Nina went over there for brunch, and that he was snooping around John's desk, and he broke a mirror in their bathroom, and then he threw John's checkbook in the pool, and it, like, blows my mind that everybody just, like, kept this afternoon to themselves. Like, nobody ever said anything to Annie They, like, very graciously did not embarrass George in front of his daughter, even though he was acting fucking insane. Yeah, she's like, how did it go? And they're like, oh, it went so well. And Brian never said anything until now, even though obviously his parents told him. But Nina then comes up and says that Brian is downstairs. He wants to see her, and he looks awful. And Annie's like, good. So George (laughs) excuses himself. So, racked with guilt, George decides to smooth things over by taking Brian out for a drink so they can talk man to man. But as he sat there and listened to his side of the story, he realized it was a golden opportunity to get rid of Brian. And so Brian, just heartbroken, crying, heart in his hands, talks about how he got Annie that blender because she loves to make banana shakes. Like, nothing more, but he can totally see why she thought it was some sort of, like, insane housewife reference, even though he didn't mean it like that. He's like, I can see how it would be a nod to, like, 1950s sexual (laughs) politics, but I didn't mean it like that. You know what? I do think that Brian is a respectful king. I think he's so sweet. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just super lovely. He knows to apologize if he's done wrong. He's like, yeah, I can see this argument from another side. Very level-headed and rational. Mm-hmm. Um, just a total sweetheart. And George actually says that he believes Brian. And Brian's like, oh, will you tell Annie? Like, she listens to anything you'll say. And George, in his inner monologue, says he knew that this was his moment to lower the boom. But he found himself looking in Brian's weepy eyes and saying yes. And George tells Brian that Annie is a passionate person And she comes from a long line of overreactors. But the good news is that the overreacting tends to get proportionately less by generations, so their kids should be normal. (laughs) But with this passion comes great spirit and individuality, which is probably one of the reasons that he loves Annie. And Brian says it's what he loves most about her. And in that moment, George realizes that Annie is just like him and Brian is just like Nina. And they were a perfect match. Aww. I do love that we get to see him like really reckon with this whole moment through his internal monologue for the most part. Like Brian doesn't really say that much at all. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to see George come to this conclusion on his own, kind of get out of his own way and really see the person that's in front of him. Yeah. And I think it's important that if you like care about your child's relationships like you have to be like 
yeah, I, I like I get where you're coming from, but then also be like, yeah, it was an overreaction. Yeah. And I think he like just facilitates, you know, without like talking shit about anyone. Like yeah. I think he just facilitates the issue really well. And he's mm-hmm. like, it's so funny because he's like, now is the time to lower my boom. But he's like a total softy. Totally. Yeah. Super softy. So back at home, Annie asks him what Brian said. And George is like, George tells her that the gift says nothing about the way he feels about her. It's just a thing to put in the kitchen. That's all. He really believes that. She's like, Dad, you know, do you believe that? And he's like, I really do. And he tells her that Brian is downstairs with a broken heart and asks her to go see him. He also tells Annie that the story about the pole and the bank book is true. So Annie runs downstairs and makes up with Brian. So all is well. It's the day before the wedding. They made it to January. And uh, the almanac predicted that this week is going to be the coldest that L.A. has seen in half a century. But they were all too busy to notice. They got a million things going on. Oh, yeah. So that night... Um, George finds Maddie in the hallway practicing his walk down the aisle tomorrow. And George helps him practice, you know, right together, left together. And he's like, Maddie, I'm sorry. I've been a little preoccupied with this wedding, huh? And Maddie's like, it's okay. And George is like, I have been though, right? And Maddie's like, yeah, you have. But I haven't felt ignored. So no permanent damage done. We're all good here. (laughs) Sweet little Maddie. He's just, you know, left to his own devices. He's so cute. Then they overhear Annie on the phone talking to, like, her friend or something about the new house that she's moving into with Brian. And her room there is so different from her room here. And Maddie says it's going to be weird with just the three of them living here now. Mm Mm-hmm. And this really hits George, and Maddie wishes George good luck tomorrow. (laughs) So before he goes to sleep, Maddie says goodnight to Annie, and they, you know, say I love you before he goes into his room. And George just, like, clutches his chest because he knows that this is the last time he's going to be hearing them saying goodnight to each other before going to sleep. Oh. So that night, George can't get a wink of sleep. And he just flashes back to Annie growing up and, like, sees her riding her bike and, like, looking out the window and just all of these lovely memories. And then he hears something outside. So he ventures out and sees Annie playing basketball. And Annie tells him she couldn't stop thinking about how this is really her last night as a kid And it feels strange to, like, pack up her room and finding all her stuffed animals, yearbooks, her old retainer. She packed it all because she didn't want to let it go. And she knows she can't stay, but she doesn't want to leave. And George is like, oh, that's the thing about life, the surprises, the little things that sneak up and grab hold of you. And it starts snowing for the first time in L.A. since George was nine. Wow. And Annie notices George's face and asks if it's because this is going to cost him even more. (laughs) And he's like, no, 
This is just a moment I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. And they hug. I really love the scene. I think they have such good chemistry together, like just so loving and close. Like, oh, yeah. I don't know if this is true, but it's it feels to me like Steve Martin probably felt like a father figure to Kimberly, like in real life. Um, mm-hmm. it, like that warmth shines through totally. You're all lit up inside. I oh feel all lit up inside. So sweet. It's so sweet. Yeah. So the next morning, it's the day of the wedding. They immediately like bought a bunch of heaters to like warm the place up, but they started melting the ice sculptures, so they had to send them away. We see the florist defrosting the newly planted tulips with a hair dryer. Frank and Howard are shoveling the walkway free of charge, and the swans are in a little lukewarm bath upstairs. But despite all this, everything was almost on schedule. So George is like finishing up getting ready. He's asking Frank for a needle and thread because one of his buttons is loose, but it's the wrong color thread because Frank thought he was going to have a black tux, but it's actually a blue tux. And George is like, what are you talking about? Armani doesn't make a blue tux. (laughs) And Frank is like, yeah, they also don't make polyester. Ooh. (laughs) So... George sends Frank to like go and check on the cars because they got to get to the church. They're running late. And that's when Nina appears at the top of the stairs and she looks absolutely beautiful. So gorgeous. And she tells George to relax. And as she comes down the stairs, he says this line, which I loved this line. He says, I knew I'd never remember what Nina wore that day, but I'd never forget the way she looked. Oh, so sweet. So they meet at the bottom of the stairs and he tells her that she shouldn't look this beautiful. It's not fair to the bride. It's a very cute moment. And that's when little Kieran Culkin comes down the <laughs> stairs in his little tux and his gelled hair. And then Nina says, you know, she'll get in the car with Maddie. George and Annie can follow behind them. So George goes upstairs to get Annie And um, he walks in to see her in her very, very large, long-sleeved, high-necked wedding gown. We got Mm -hmm. lots of tool. We got lots of lace. Lots of lace. Yeah. Big old bow on the back. Mm -hmm. And he tells her that she looks beautiful. And we can even see that she's wearing her special wedding sneakers. Oh. The one thing that I was confused about was that, like – no one's doing their hair and makeup. Presumably that was done earlier, but it's just like the yeah. same hair she always has. Yeah. Yeah. She looks good. Yeah. yeah. I was just surprised that with such an elaborate wedding. It's true. That they're just like, I'm ready, dad. And it's <laughs> yeah. just like her alone. She's like put on a dress. <laughs> yeah. So they go to the church and George reminds Maddie, left together, right together. And Maddie's like, oh, I got it. And shows that he's written it down on his hand. Just scribbled. <laughs> so Howard opens the door so the procession can begin. And George like looks into the church. He can't believe it. And he steps up to begin walking and thinks about how he's been dreading this moment for 22 years. And he almost begins walking early, but Annie stops him. And George tells us that Annie was as calm and cool as he'd ever seen her. Which must be reassuring as a parent to just be like, Totally. 
wow, you're not nervous. You're just like so excited and you're relaxed and uh yeah. I feel like I'm going to be an absolute wreck on my wedding day. I'm going to be crying the whole time. I can only imagine <laughs> that I will not be relaxed. Yeah. Like, I just feel like with, like, a whole party, mm. too, I'd be like, what's happening now? Like, yeah. blah, what's, like, is there any issues? Like, I just, yeah. yeah. I can't even relax when I, like, throw a very chill party for, like, five people here because I'm oh like, gosh, yeah. I am the hostess with the mostess, and I will have extra of everything, and if somebody wants something that I don't have, I'm going to jump out a window. Like, Yeah. <laughs> so I- I'll kill myself. <laughs> I can do that, you know. Yeah. I, uh, I do remember, like, your um, Thanksgiving, your... Canadian Thanksgivings were yeah. always really great. But I do remember the stress mm-hmm. leading up to it and yeah. like ha- making sure like everything is warm mm-hmm. and like everything is, yeah. The most stressful part is that everybody comes in at like the last hour when all of the sides need to come together at the same time. They're like, can I help with anything? And I'm like, no, just like get out of my way, please. Cause like <laughs> it's too late in the game for me to teach you how to do anything. That and also everybody loves to stand in the kitchen. That's so true. And I'm like, can you not see that I'm working? I have here? an operation going. Yeah, you yeah. Need move to the living room, please. Absolutely. Yeah. But anyways, where were we? <laughs> the wedding. Oh, yeah, the movie. So the music changes and they begin walking, and they walk down the aisle. George hands Annie off to Brian and. The officiator begins the ceremony. And George, in his head, he's like, I have one line and I can't remember it. Is it like, that's me or is Mm. it I do? And the officiator is like, who presents this woman in holy matrimony? And George says, I do. And he sits down next to (laughs) Nina and he just thinks about how Annie is only a kid and she's leaving us. And he realizes that Annie was all grown up and um, something inside him began to hurt. So George holds Nina's hand and they almost finish their vows. We see like John, Brian's (laughs) father, crying. And Brian and Annie put their rings on each other. So they kiss and they walk down the church steps and George says, as my son said, it's time to party. So we get to the Bangs house. The reception is in full swing, like filled to the brim with people. Mm-hmm. George is being pulled left and right, introduced to people such as the Danish relatives who are super thankful that they, fl- you know, were flown out here. Everyone is just complimenting George on this amazing party. But there's only one thing on his mind. He hasn't been able to kiss the bride yet. And he looks outside to see that Annie and Brian are getting their photos taken. So he tries to, like, cut out back to go to the yard. But an attendant is like, no, no, there's only one flow of traffic. You must go out the front. And I'm like, that's a fire hazard. You need to have two exits. That's, like, literally the law. You're done. That's the law. You're done. So it's dangerous. They then announce that dinner is served and George has his back turned for like 30 seconds, turns around, and there's a huge, gigantic line that he is at the back of. And of course, at this moment, Annie and Brian are being ushered into the tent, so he misses them too. He finally gets to the tent, to the front of the line for the buffet to taste this food that he's been hearing about for the past five months when... 
Frank rushes up and says that there are cops outside and they need to go have a chat. Jesus. Yeah, so they go outside and Frank is like, George, uh, I can handle this. Give me your checkbook. And he's like, I'm not giving you anything. And so they go to talk to the officers and he's like, whose house is this? And he's like, it's me. And he's like, you in the blue tux? <laughs> it's like night. It's yeah. night. Um, so he tells them, you know, that he owns a house. And they're like, do you have a permit for parking 200 cars in the street? And we look out and just Insane. there's a sea of cars. I'm like, you should have just had transportation. Yeah. Hire some shuttle buses. That's all I can tell you. Mm-hmm. So... Frank makes up an excuse that they were supposed to have four parking attendants, but two got the flu. And we like pan over to the parking attendants. <laughs> sweating. Sweating. They're like panting. <laughs> and and the policemen are just like, you need to get the cars off the street before the fire marshal gets here. And Frank goes inside because the cake is being wheeled out. And George is like, I'll handle it. And he's like, where can I get two extra drivers? Mm. And Maddie and his friend are just like standing there, super smiley. Mm -hmm. So they park the cars and the kids do it. They Mm. zip zoodle and get the cars (laughs) on the lawn. And Cameron tells George it's a great wedding. And he's like, I promise I didn't even eat anything. (laughs) So meanwhile, in the tent, Annie is looking around for George, and he just is, like, standing in this giant sea of cars. Yeah, so George finally makes it back to the reception and sees Annie with her bridesmaids. He sees everybody is having an amazing time and says that the wedding did appear to be a complete success. Now all he needed was to dance with the bride. That's all he needs to make him happy. Just this one thing. Yeah, man has missed the food. He's missed cocktail hour. Yeah, just give him this one thing. And the band leader is like, "Okay, folks, in just a few moments, uh, Annie will be tossing her bouquet before she heads off to Hawaii with Brian." So, reception's over. Bye. And George is like, "Okay, well, this is the moment that I am not going to miss because it's the last one." So he decides to like take a shortcut through the yard to get back to the living room. Annie and Brian are at the top of the stairs and Annie is literally looking around for her dad. She can't find him anywhere. George is cutting through the kitchen. He's running up the back stairs and Annie's like, okay, well, I guess I'll just throw it. So she throws the bouquet and Nina's like, oh, he missed it. And George comes down the stairs like just after. So this man has missed Literally every single moment. That's so sad. It's this so is sad. So heartbreaking to me. Yeah. I feel like the dance at least right. should have happened. Yeah. But I mean, that's just like the hijinks of the movie, but mm-hmm. it made me so sad. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's like really smart that they they pace the movie out this way where like so much of the movie is on the planning and then the wedding is gone by in a flash because that's what they always say. Oh, yeah. Like that you barely even get to like do anything or enjoy your wedding day because it's so busy. Um, but in this case, it's busy for the dad because he's he's running the show, yeah. really. I think that's a really good dad. Like, my dad would not be like, let me resolve this issue. This is why I'll be getting married at a venue. And also, nobody totally. that I know drives. So 
Don't have to worry about that. <laughs> so true. So Annie and Brian race off to the car. George doesn't even get to say goodbye to them, and they're gone. Aww. After they leave and everyone is gone, Nina tells George that she's sorry he didn't get the chance to say goodbye. But she thinks Annie is going to be really happy. And then the phone rings. It's Annie and she's calling from the airport. The plane is about to take off. But she says she couldn't leave without saying goodbye. And she thanks him for everything and tells George she loves him very much. And he says he loves her too. And to have a great honeymoon. So Annie and Brian get on their plane And George and Nina dance together in their living room to the way you look tonight. It's a really beautiful final shot. It like very slowly pulls out. Um, You just kind of see them dancing together amongst all of the fallen like confetti and the mess around them. Um, And at the end of the day, they still have each other. They made it through. But that's Father of the Bride. I really liked this movie. Yeah. I had such a fun time watching it. Mm-hmm. A very solid pick, listeners. Good job. It was a it was a tight race between this and Runaway Bride. Um, but I am super happy that this one. It was so nice to get to watch it again after so many years and like actually understand a little bit more like the weight and the gravity and the chaos of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like no one, no one wanted to say, like, maybe it's a little expensive. Yeah, you got to have no a one? ceiling. You got to have a spending ceiling. Um, and I, I don't know. I like that they didn't they didn't make George, like, a villain or anything. No. Like, yeah, sure, he does some, like, stuff that's not amazing. But at the end of the day, like, he just loves his family so much. He loves his wife, his kids, and, like, just wants for them to be happy and eventually manages to get out of his own way to let that happen. Yeah, and shit, what was I going to say? I just find the Banks family so endearing, and, like, Mm -hmm. I think that the way the father-daughter relationship is explored is so sweet. Yeah. And Steve Martin is, like, such a comedic genius. Mm -hmm. He's so funny without being – I just thought the comedy was – so family friendly in not a cringe way. Yes. I, I just thought it was like super enjoyable. It wasn't like disgusting or mm-hmm. like weird. It was all like the most risque thing he says is like, be sure to fasten your condom. Yeah. Literally that's it. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought it was like such a drilling movie and it felt like really relatable to me. Cause I feel like, like my dad would be like grappling with the emotions mm-hmm. of like me getting married. But I do think that um, this father daughter pair is like so tight mm-hmm. and so close and like kind of makes you wonder if we had kids, like how, we, how would we feel, you know, after raising them and then they like get married and they finally move out and mm-hmm. having that moment. I don't know. It's just so yeah. like, it felt so, um, important and like I was just with him the whole Mm -hmm. journey of the movie even though this happens every day like people get Mm -hmm. married every day it felt like so special yeah definitely and I I 
talked about this, I think, in last week's episode, how all of the movies that we covered this month are not from the perspective of the people getting married. Oh, yeah. Which I think is, like, really cool that it ended up being this way because, like, there is so much that goes into a wedding. It's not just about the bride and groom. Like, you're inviting, like, all of these people in your life to celebrate in your love or for whatever reason you're having your wedding. But I think it is really Mm -hmm. cool to see the other perspectives of the people involved, how it all comes together, because it's an incredibly emotional event for like anybody who has any sort of relationship to that couple getting married. So I loved Mm -hmm. getting to see the effects that this very stressful, but also beautiful event can have on the peripheral people. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't know, which kind of made me excited to have a wedding. Yeah. But yeah, I just really liked it. Like I thought it was yeah. so pleasurable. Um, definitely want to watch it again. I think this yeah. might have been my favorite movie. Wow. That we did this month. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Mine is definitely like still the wedding singer. I will always love that movie. It's like one of my favorites. Yeah. But I did really love this. I really enjoyed getting to rewatch it. Mm-hmm. So shall we rate her up? Let's rate it. I think I'm uh, I'm going to give it a 9.5. Wow. Very, very high. I'm going to give it yeah. – I'm going to give it an 8.5. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really good. It's not like, wow, this is one of my favorites, but it is really ador- like adorable, charming, yeah. endearing, funny. A great time all around. I have to watch um, – What's it called? Only Murders in the Building? Only, Yeah, Only Murders in the Building. I need to watch Only Murders in the Building. Definitely recommend. Um, anybody that listens to this podcast knows that I am like a chronic rewatcher. <laughs> so the fact that I'm like watching three new shows right now is insane because I'm watching this. I just started watching um, like the new Pretty Little Liars like a week ago. <gasps> oh my gosh. And I'm wa- I just started watching The Bear. So how is the new Pretty Little Liars? <laughs> I have, like, mixed feelings on it. It's not, like, bad. It's just very different. It's – I just don't really – I think that the only reason that they attach it to Pretty Little Liars is, like, name recognition because it's such a different vibe. It's, like – it's more of a horror kind of, like, Halloween Michael Myers type of thing. Like – Interesting. We're six episodes in and there's been three murders. Okay, damn. So it's more of like a horror type of thing. Um, I thought it was a prequel. Is it not? No, no. It's It takes place like now, but it's a different town. It's still in like the oh. universe of Pretty Little Liars, but it's in a different town in Pennsylvania. So in the last episode that I watched, they actually like went to Rosewood and went to Radley. Um, but yeah, it just is a very different vibe. And also because they're not an organic friend group, they kind of got mm-hmm. like shoved together by the mystery we didn't get a lot of time to like really invest in these girls as like characters before the mystery got kind of like foisted on us. So gotcha. this show is like mystery horror driven, whereas the original show was like equally driven by the mystery and their friendships and their relationships and like their family drama and all that stuff kind of balanced out a little bit. Whereas this is like, we are focusing on the plot and the mystery and driving it forward at all times and everything else is like fall into the wayside type of thing. So it's just, you have to adjust in your head that like this is something very different. Yeah. Anyways. 
it has been a lovely August down the aisle. Yeah, it's been great. I hope that uh, everybody's feeling their their TLC fill of wedding content for the month. Uh, it's been a fun journey, and we're super excited for back to school September starting next week. Oh, we have some really fun stuff planned. Mm-hmm. I'm getting my fucking decorations out after we finish this yeah. recording. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get the pumpkins out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that you're going to like what we have up our sleeve. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want a little more content, you can always follow us on Instagram. It's Movies That Raised Us. You can follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. You can follow us on TikTok at Movies That Raised Us Pod. And you can email us at Movies That Raised Us at gmail.com. You can also join our Patreon. The link is in the bio. Link in show notes. You know where to find it. And uh, we will see you next week for our first back to school movie. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina. And our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.